the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When dreams become nightmares, that is the title of our message today here on Truth For Today as we continue with our series, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. Join us, won't you? Getting from point A to point B can be challenging at times. Same with our dreams, our life's plans. We have a dream. We've been given a goal. Yet getting from the giving of the goal to the actual goal itself can oftentimes be rather frustrating, challenging, nightmarish. And that's what we're looking at today here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. Our series, When Bad Things Happen to Good People, continues. We're looking at Joseph today, When Dreams Become Nightmares. With more, here's Pastor Phil Howard on this weekend edition of Truth For Today. Turning your Bibles to Genesis 37. We're in our series, When Bad Things Happen to Good People. We looked, first of all, how good people became bad people in Genesis 3. Last week, we looked at, don't write the final chapter, as in the life of Job. Today, we want to look at the life and the lessons of this wonderful, wonderful Bible character, Joseph. Probably no man foretells and foreshadows the life of Christ any more than that of Joseph. Let me tell you something about the Bible before we get started. Two things. When you read narrative... This is narrative, and we're going to move because I want to get the story. And when you read the parables of Jesus, uh, do this. Don't be quick to run and make a point. Uh, The narrative is saying this. Shut up. Wait. First of all, memorize the story. The prodigal son parable doesn't need a three-point outline. The outline is the story in most conservative Bible teaching churches uh, because we've abandoned so much Old Testament preaching. People miss the old man, what's this story have to do? Everything in the Bible speaks of Christ. It has one theme, the glory of God, the grace of God revealed through Christ. And no matter where you are in the Bible, old or new, it's pointing towards Christ looking back. So we want to get the stories in us. And when you get the story, it will just like percolate in your soul, percolate and percolate. And then God will just use it when life goes along, the the analogies, the, the applications. But be full of the stories. Are you full of Old Testament stories? That's what our Jewish brethren had when the New Testament come along, they were full of the Old Testament. By the time of Bar Mitzvah, they knew the law of Moses. And so you need to know that material. The Old Testament is inspired of God. You can, you can know God from the Old Testament. You know why? Jesus began with Moses and the prophets, 
in Luke 24, and he showed them on the Emmaus Road everything that spoke of him. So the Old Testament is full of Christ. It's all over. But we want to get the story, and I have just titled the story, When Dreams Turn Into Nightmares. And uh, the cross-reference I would give you is, for we know that God is working all things together for the good of those who love the Lord. All things, even storms, are working together for the good of not everybody, to the good of those who love the Lord, who are the called according to his purpose. And you're going to see this lived out in the life of Joseph. There's a great doctrine. It's so complex, I I don't think I could deliver the mail on it. But if you ever want to look up a theology book, it's called The Doctrine of Providence. That God is active in the creation and the maintenance and the affairs of the world. And let me give you a couple of other alternate views. The deist view, which Benjamin Franklin, Thomas Jefferson, they were all deist. They said, God made the world, wound it up like a clock, and then he walked off. So that everything in the world runs on natural order. So you can't have miracles. You don't have God actively involved. Because God walked off. He wound the clock. It's, it's ticking. Another view that comes out of the Eastern religions is fatalism. What will be, will be. And just hope you get the right stars. Or at least born during Aquarius. And uh, it's luck, chance luck chance world and everything there is no god involved everything is chances fatalistic so there's no one out there governing anything we have a god who says that he's maintaining the entire universe every atom of it through his son jesus christ colossians 1 he's maintaining everything He said in Acts 17, when Paul addressed the pagan heathens of Mars Hill in Athens, Greece, he said, God, our God, determines everything that lives, moves, or what? Lives, moves, or has its being. So he's actively involved so much that he knows when number 19 of your hair on your head fell out. He said, 19 just fell. Now, God doesn't know that. Yes, he does. He's numbered the very hair on your head. And some of you, that's not a hard job. (laughs) I mean, there's none there to number. Uh, he, He sees a sparrow when it falls to the ground. So our God is active, and it may not be comforting, but according to Job, he controls the snow. He controls the water system. He's the God in the storm and out of the storm. Nothing happens accidentally to God. He's working out his purposes through all that's happening. Every volcano that's running, every earthquake that's moving, every tsunami that's about to happen, he is involved. It's called the providence of God, that he's actively involved with creation. And he's actively involved in the events of your life. Let's pick up chapter 37. And let's see this lived out in the life of Joseph. Joseph is one of the sons of Jacob's wife, Rachel. And uh, 
He is a young man of 17 when we pick him up in verse 2. And uh, he happened to be a little bit of a tattletale here. He's telling on his brothers because those 10 boys were born by another woman. So he's by a different wife, Rachel, the favorite wife of Jacob. And it says that Jacob loved Joseph above all the rest. And the boys knew it. It was, a, it was just blatant favoritism and love. No question about it. But it didn't serve Joseph well. It just engendered more hatred from his brothers. Well, Joseph, there's a naivety about him and a sincerity that's wonderful. He has a dream in verse 5. And he tells it to his brothers. And the dream is he sees these sheaves of grain out in the field. And they rise and they stand up. And other sheaves are gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Now they got it just like this. Do you intend to reign over us? They immediately got the message of the dream. Uh, They said, just come out and say it. You plan to reign over us. Well, God gave me a dream. Yeah, we're going to give you a knuckle. Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Well, he gets another dream and the sun and the moon bow down. And he tells this to his daddy and that included his dad and his mom. And Jacob's baffled. He can't figure it out. But at least the boy's having a dream in which he emerges as ruler. Now, let me say something about the dream. The dream is the word of God to Joseph. In the Old Testament, God revealed his word by dreams and trances and visions. Commonly did that. Did it with Daniel. Did it with others. So this is not just a, you watched a horror movie and you had a dream. Uh Uh-uh. This is the word of God. This is before Moses. We don't have any scripture. And God revealed his will and purpose for young Joseph. You are going to rule. Your brothers will be subservient to you. Got it? Got it. Now, you have to be careful. When God shows you the end, he doesn't always show you the means for getting there. Because it's going to take 13 years before he ever sees the dream realized. 13 years. And sometimes you've had a dream, God's going to do something in your life, and it turned out to be a nightmare. He said, I thought you were going to do this, Lord. He just has to wait on God and be patient. So scene one, we've got uh, beloved of the Father, hated by the brothers, and the Word of God says, this is your future. Scene two, we find him being sold out. He's sent by his father to take a message to his brothers out in the field. And while they see him coming, they plot to kill him. Reuben steps in and says, let's don't kill him. We don't need any bloodshed. And let's just throw him down in this abandoned cistern. They throw him there. And conveniently, a band of Ishmaelites heading towards Egypt come by. And they say, this is wonderful. And they sell him for 20 pieces of silver. Sell him out. Take a, the robe, the beautiful colored robe he had. Dipped it in animal blood. Took it to Jacob. Jacob wails and grieves and uh, just bemoans his beloved son. 
And from now on to Jacob, this boy is dead. He's out of the picture. Well, he gets sold down in Egypt. We have this Judah-Tamar incident. We jump to chapter 39. Uh, down in Egypt, a, uh, an official of Pharaoh picks up this boy, a handsome young Jewish boy. And uh, uh, he leaves him in charge of the house. And uh, it says, because he was good-looking and handsome, this sensuous Egyptian woman says, I want this guy in bed with me. So she starts every day pursuing him. He says he can't go to bed with her. You know why he couldn't go to bed with her? I love his response. She said, my master's gone. Let's do it. Nobody will know. In verse 9, he says, No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? God was in the bedroom with this boy. I can't do anything without God looking on. How could I do this against God? Sin always makes it an advantage. You're gaining something. But Joseph picked up quick. This is against God. And once again, this boy hadn't studied Torah. There was no law. He just, he, he just feared God and knew God. And when you know God, one of the living proofs of it is the way you treat the opposite sex. It always shows up. If you don't know if a person knows God, just see the way they treat the opposite sex. You'll find out. Because moral behavior comes from the fear of God. You fear God some way, you just, you have a motive and incentive to control bodily passion. That's just what he did. Well, she lies. She's a jilted woman. She lies about him. She tells her husband. He gets angry. And they throw him in jail. Now, I, the last we saw, he's having a dream. It's already into the nightmare phase. He's been sold. He's, uh, he's in a foreign country, and now he's thrown in prison. And this verse just kind of uh, wears on me a little bit. Verse uh, 20, but while Joseph was there in the prison, the Lord was with him. You know what I wanted to write? If you're with me, I would think you could keep me out of prison. If you were with me, I think you could deliver me from a lying woman. If you're with me, surely you would keep me from this. And God says, I'm going to keep you in prison in my will. And what does God do down there in the prison? Gives him favor. Well, you didn't give me favor with my brothers. Why are you giving me favor with the prison warden? Hold on, Joseph. You don't know the plan. Just hold on to the dream. And it says, the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Tell me this. You've been lied about, framed, and fraud, and you're thrown in San Quentin, and God has the warden come and tell you, hey, you know what? The Lord's with you, and he's giving you success. How would you feel? This is success in the will of God? Was he in the will of God? Absolutely. Did he cause any of this trouble? Absolutely not. Who in the world is running this dream? Sounds to me like wicked, evil men are running this thing, and they're going to destroy this boy. Well, while in prison, he meets the cupbearer and the baker, and the boy of the dream knows how to interpret dreams, and he tells one man that you're going to die, the, the cupbearer, you're going to be spared. And they said, we'll remember you once we get out of jail. 
And then they get out of jail and they quickly forget. Pharaoh has a dream uh, in chapter 41. And this dream is an uh, upcoming famine. Seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. Nothing like the earth had ever seen. Joseph tells him about the dream, interprets it, tells him how to fix things up so they could get through it. And all of a sudden, Pharaoh says, hey, this guy, it's like the spirit of the gods are in him. Verse 38, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Now, this is a pagan king. I don't think he's thinking Holy Spirit, but he knew something was in this boy that was different. You can interpret the dream. You can give us a plan. There's something different about you, boy. There is. He's God's man and God's will. And Pharaoh says, this guy ought to be the vice emperor. I'm going to put him in charge of Egypt. And he did. In verse 46, Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he's in charge. And the whole Near Eastern area, famine breaks out in time. Famine reaches uh, up there in Palestine, up there where Jacob and the boys are living. And uh, the boy says, you know what? If we're going to live, we're going to have to make a trip to Egypt. We hear they've got grain there. And so they make a trip. Now, they leave Benjamin at home, and that's Joseph's brother. But uh, the boys go, the ten of them. And they go to Egypt. And look at verse 6. Well, I want to pick up three. Then ten of Joseph's brothers went down to buy grain from Egypt. But Jacob did not send Benjamin, Joseph's brother, with the others because he was afraid that harm might come to him. Verse 6, now Joseph was the governor of the land, the one who sold grain to all his people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to him. Do you remember the dream? Were their faces to the ground? As soon as Joseph saw his brothers, he recognized them, but he pretended to be a stranger and spoke harshly to them. Where do you come from, he asked. From the land of Canaan, they replied, to buy food. Although Joseph recognized his brothers, they did not recognize him. Then he remembered his dreams about them and said to them, You are spies. You have come to see where our land is unprotected. And he works it out where they've got to leave Simeon. He said, you let you go back to the old man, but I'm going to keep Simeon in prison. And I want you to bring my, they could say it, I want you to bring this other brother you're talking about, bring him. And he puts the silver cups in the sacks, framing them, creating a crisis, a law emergency. And they finally get back to old daddy Jacob, and they uh, tell him about this ruler, and he wants us to bring Benjamin back. And here's one of the most profound verses in all the Bible. They're telling the story, 35. As they were emptying their sacks, there in each man's sack was his pouch of silver. When they and their father saw the money pouches, they were frightened. Their father Jacob said to them, You have deprived me of my children. Joseph is no more. And Simeon is no more. And now you want to take Benjamin. 
Everything is against me. Now, now think. I want you to think about that verse. Everything is against me. Let me ask you this. Wasn't everything working for him right now? Shake your head like that if it's yes. If you're sleepy, just lay over. Lay down. It doesn't distract. Everything was in his favor. The boy is getting ready to set him up for retirement. By the time he gets to Egypt, he sends the limousine service out to pick up his old daddy in a chariot. He gets the Pharaoh to give him the best land in Goshen. But you see, Jacob and us do not know what's always happening in our life. You don't know the plan that's in motion, Jacob. You're just afraid Benjamin's going to be lost, and who wouldn't? You get Simeon in an Egyptian jail, and he just yells out, everything is against me. And one day that hit me as I was studying, and I just thought, wow, never was more going for you. You got a boy that's going to set you up for life, and he's just trying to get you down there where you'll never worry about another meal, another famine, Another crisis, I'm going to take care of you, Dad. Matter of fact, I'm going to bury you. I'm going to take you back to Palestine. I'm going to be your retirement prosperity. I'm going to be your 401k. But, oh, Daddy didn't know it. In the seeming loss, in the seeming crises, panic hit him. And I don't know, you've never been here before, but I have. Everything seems to be going against us. It's just not coming together. Don't give up. Stay with the dream. But see, Jacob didn't have the dream. He's just going to be a beneficiary of the dream. So, uh, he finally, uh, he's not going to let anything happen. uh, But the hunger will make you get willing. And so, um, he says, I'm not going to let the boy go down there. The famine gets worse. And... uh, He finally has to agree to let Benjamin go back. And uh, Benjamin goes back. And let me pick up the narrative for you. Go to chapter 45. They finally get Benjamin down there. The boys are there. Joseph cannot hold out any longer. In verse 4 of chapter 45, Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Who sent me ahead? For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The boys go back to the father. He sends back a bunch of food because he knows dad won't believe he's alive. Isn't it interesting? While his dad thinks he's been dead, he's become a ruler. Invisible but ruling. And this is Truth For Today, the radio ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, and our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. 
Thank you for spending time with us today. As always, it is a pleasure and a delight studying God's Word with you that we might mutually grow in our love and admiration for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you have questions about today's program, maybe you have a question about your own walk or relationship with the Lord, we would love to talk with you. No strings attached. Give us a call, and we'd be more than happy to answer any questions we can or pray with you. Our phone number is 855 833-9864. Again, you can reach us at 855-833-9864. If you would rather write to us, here's our address, 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278. We're here in Hercules, the zip code 94547. And again, even if it's a simple thank you for the broadcast, we'd love to hear from you. It's always a delight knowing that these programs are being used by the Lord for your growth in Christ. So again, you can reach us by phone, by mail, or better yet, stop by our website and drop us an email. Let us know you paid us a visit. You can find us at truthfortodayradio.org. That's truthfortodayradio.org. As you stop by, don't forget to drop us an email and take advantage of the many resource materials we have available for your growth in Christ. Again, it's all there at truthfortodayradio.org. And then if you would like to join us here at Valley Bible Church for worship, Sunday services are at 9 and 11, and directions can be found at our website, truthfortodayradio.org, or by calling 855-833-9864. As you contact us, would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us financially? We're able to continue the radio ministry through your generous financial support. And whether it's a one-time gift or a monthly donation, no size is too small or too great. We'd love to hear from you and know that you are partnering with us for the furtherance of the gospel. So contact us today at 855-833-9864. Or stop by truthfortodayradio.org. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.